I am extremely happy to announce that today's episode of My View on the View is sponsored by Audible. So be sure to check the Audible link in the description box if you're interested in getting 30 free days of Audible, a 30-day free trial. As many books as you want to listen to for you, your children, whatever the genre, of course, not just books, but movies as well, everything that Audible has to offer free for 30 days, check the description box. Let's go into the podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the My View on the View commentary podcast, a podcast all about ABC's The View. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that you're having a really good day. Hope your kids are doing well, those of you who have children. Listen, if you're new, welcome. This is probably uh, very different than what you uh, probably expected because it's called My View on the View, but that's okay. So if you have any questions about anything, me, the music I normally use, why you only hear my voice and you don't actually see my face, all that information is there in the description box, no matter where you're listening to me, okay? So check that out if you have any questions now. For the second time in a row, I'm going to deviate from what I normally discuss here on the platform on YouTube that I created, the My View on the View community. I'm going to deviate from talking to you about the view um, because we are living in some very unusual times um, in this world. Um, We have crossed over into a period of time that I'll be very honest with you, um, a lot of scholars, um, even economists, are saying this is very this is a very unusual time. And so I feel that this information is so important because I know it will save your life if you use it. And so I feel it's my responsibility to pass this information along to you. As I shared with you during the very first offering, which was part one, how to stay safe at all times and the difference between the human conscience, and the Holy Spirit, I feel that I need to go a little bit further because in times like what we're having now, the divine is often questioned. Um, People begin to have a lot of questions about why does God allow um, things to happen? They begin to, and these are all normal questions, right? These are very healthy, normal questions that people have, especially when they see little children get mowed down at school by an AR-15, people say, why didn't God stop this from happening, right? Very normal question for any person to have, right? Whether they are a spiritual or religious person or not, all right? So because I'm seeing a lot of these types of conversations happen online, um, because I have the answer to this question, not because I'm special, please understand that this has nothing to do with my view on the view, It's just that I learned this many, many years ago from someone who learned it from someone who learned it from someone. That's normally how wisdom happens. It's passed down. And so I just want to offer it to you, okay? You know, normally I would tell you that the order in which you listen to various things here doesn't matter. But this is not the case in in these special offerings, okay? You, you really, if you're going to rock with me on part two, you, you really need to go listen to the first offering, which is part one first, because I lay some very basic foundation about the human conscience that I'm not going to lay today. I go into a lot of examples about how people did certain things, what happened to me, all that kind of stuff. And um, I'm just not, you know, in, in the interest of time going to rehash those things. And so it's very important that you stop now 
Go listen to that and then come back maybe tomorrow when you have time or maybe over the weekend and take in part two. That's if you're receiving the offering, okay? Now, I will be sure to put part one in the description box, okay? Because the comment section is closed on these special offerings. Now, before I answer this question and go deeper, it's very important that I kind of uh, lay some foundation first, okay? So the first thing I want to share with you is that I am not telling you what you need to go do. I am not telling you what you need to go believe. That's not what I'm doing here. All I'm doing is sharing information. I'm offering you something. In part one, offering one, I shared. If I walked up to you right now, wherever you are, and offered you $10, we would not stand there and have a long conversation about whether you were going to take it or not. You know, we wouldn't go back and forth for 30 minutes. What would happen would actually be very simple. I would walk up to you, hand you the $10, and you would take it and say, thank you. Or you would reject it and say, no, thank you. I either don't need it or I don't want it. And then you would go your way, right? And then I would go my way. I need you to think of these special offerings, part one and part two, just like that. I'm not forcing it on you. I'm not forcing the 10 bucks on you. I'm not throwing it to you. I'm just simply saying, do you want this? And you simply take it or you reject it, okay? The next thing I need you to understand is that kind of like what I touched on during part one, you know, um, I am a Christian, but you may not be. You may be of a different faith or you may be a person who you feel that you are a spiritual person, but you're not religious in any way. Or you could be someone who's listening and you don't believe that there is a God. That is fine. I want you to understand the information that I'm sharing is, is it is applicable to anybody, It does not matter your religion, your spiritual beliefs. All those things have nothing really to do with this conversation. Although although I know some people think it does because we're we're mentioning, you know, God, people automatically start thinking then they're trying to attach it to some religious belief of some kind. Okay, Um, but I will say this in order to illustrate what I'm going to be sharing with you, I'm going to be taking examples from the holy book that I use that helps me on my spiritual journey here on the earth, which is the Bible. But as I said to you during the first offering, if you are of a different faith and you have a different holy book that helps you on your spiritual journey here on the earth, that's okay because most religions, not all, but most religions, their holy books, the people, the places, the names, the times, all those things could be different. But more often than not, the principles are pretty much the same. Okay? So, as I mentioned examples from the Bible, I don't want you to say, oh, well, you know, my book is not the Bible. And no, it doesn't matter. Uh, There's a principle that I'm going to be illustrating to you through these examples. So, you just think of where those principles are illustrated in the book you use, okay? Now that we've laid that foundation, let's start. All right? So, why? Why? Why doesn't God stop people from doing bad things? Why doesn't why didn't God stop the young man from going into the school and killing those kids in Texas? And we could say that about all the children who have been killed in various schools. Why didn't God stop the young man who drove down many, 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 many months ago now 
from where he lived, either in Dallas or Houston, Texas, down to El Paso, Texas. Remember, he went to the Walmart and he murdered several people and injured many. Why didn't God stop the young man who drove all those hundreds of miles just a few days back um, and went to a grocery store in Buffalo, New York, and he killed some very good people? Um, Why? Why didn't God stop the man from going into the hospital in Tulsa and murdering people who had only tried to help him, the surgeon who had done the back surgery, all the, you know, those people, they, they hadn't done anything to him. They weren't bad people. You know, why, why? The, again, this is what people want to know. No matter what the devastating event was, if someone does a, something bad and it hurts a lot of people or, a, or even one person, the normal natural question is, why did God let this happen? And so when people don't have the answer, they, they just say, well, there just must not be a God because surely, surely God loves children. Surely he would never let little children get killed like this. And I will tell you, you're seeing a lot of people turn away from God now who were, um, we would say, people who had a relationship with God prior to certain events. They say, you know what? Forget all this stuff. God doesn't exist because if he did, he would not let this kind of stuff happen. So why doesn't God stop people from doing bad things? The answer is simple, because it's not his nature. It's not his nature to stop anybody from doing anything, baby, that they want to do, whether it's good, yes, or bad. It is not his nature. It never has been. And I'm going to show you some examples, okay? So I'm going to purposefully go slow now because I want you to, if you're still accepting this offering, I want you to understand God is never going to go against his nature, not for me or for you either. It just doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. And I feel like, especially here in the United States, um, people... In general, I'm not speaking of specific people, but just in general, people really don't understand God's nature. You want to know what else they don't really understand? God's relationship to humankind. Now, let's go a little bit deeper. Anytime something terrible happens and we get this question that normally comes up, I will tell you the first problem that this person has is not the question. The problem is the underlying belief that supports or holds up this type of question. You see, in order for a person to believe or ask, why didn't God stop you know, that person from doing that terrible thing, you can clearly hear something underlying that. The belief is that God is in control. And because he's in control, then he can stop such and such from doing such and such. Now, most people who have who ask the question, why doesn't God stop? You know, why didn't God stop this? Let's just put it put the question that way. Why did God allow this to happen? Why did he stop this? The problem, again, and I'm going to go real slow, you guys, in this offering. I'm going to repeat a lot of things because it's important that we get these small things. 
because it's the small things that make the big things. In order for someone to actually ask this kind of question, they would have to have a subconscious belief that God is in control of everything and that because he is God, he can then do anything. So then because they have that belief, they ask the question, why didn't he stop this or why did he allow this? Now, if I walked up to someone who asked this question and said, so you believe God is in control, they would probably say no. But then, see, I would then have to work with them and help them understand you do. You obviously have a subconscious belief, meaning something you're not aware of that you believe. A lot of us have what I call phantom beliefs, meaning we we don't really know where it came from. Maybe we heard it when we were very little in church or You know, we just heard it or we just kind of think it's true. We can't really point to anything um, that tells us or shows us that God is in control. And what I find, because I've been teaching this, y'all, for about 20 years in some way, shape or form. Religious people will say, oh, I do have proof that God is in control because they'll, they'll point to various Bible scriptures. But I can take them to the various scriptures and say, no, he that was not an example of God in control being in control of anything. And it takes really time, I find, um, to really help people who are who were raised up to believe God is in control because they have a hard time letting that phantom belief go. So again, the question isn't problematic. It's the underlying belief that's problematic, okay? And again, all of us, have some some phantom belief that we can't say, oh, it came from here. Oh, it came from there. It's just kind of like mama told me or I always heard grandmama say or when I was little, you know, such and such happened. So I believed God was in control. So that's the first thing we need to get rid of. God is not in control of any person, nor is God in control of events. It's not his nature. Let me say this. We have to understand that this world has been in existence for an extremely long time. And there have been different types of worlds here. And there have been different types of things that have happened as the world transitioned from one thing to another to another. For example, there was a time when dinosaurs roamed this earth. And according to science, they weren't in some, you know, special place. They were pretty much everywhere. It's very difficult for us to imagine that in the world we live in today. But you have to understand the world has come through various transitions. The atmosphere has come through various transitions. The Earth's atmosphere today is not the way it was, of course, back in the day that dinosaurs were roaming. And this is the same planet Earth that they lived on, that you and I live on. 
I say this because I think we tend to think we're like the we're like it. You know what I mean? Like how they say we're all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> People very often don't think of the various changes that have happened. Like right now, you and I are sitting inside of this huge ball that's suspended in the air. Our very existence here is is very, very supernatural. Okay? Now, I say that also because people need to understand that, let's take, maybe let's say the first human beings. Because when you're just getting something started, There may be things you have to do, things you have to teach those people because they're the first. But as things progress from generation to generation, you don't need to do all that work anymore. The work is already done. You know how they say don't reinvent the wheel. It's already been invented. So when it comes to people who have a phantom belief that God is in control, they will very often point to examples of God doing something one time in a person's entire life. That thing only happened once in their entire lifetime. And I find people take the spectacular event and try to make it the everyday occurrence. And that is very wrong. And it will lead them astray in their beliefs about God. For instance, those of you who are really Bible scholars, you know Josephus. Well, we don't know him, but you know the works and the writings of Josephus, the Jewish Jewish historian. In the Old and New Testament, it does talk about people hearing the voice of God, God speaking to an individual. But Through various Jewish historians like Josephus, we learned that that only happened in that person's life once, maybe twice in their entire life. And you know how long various people live. They live much longer than you and I live today. That only happened. God only said something to that person once. Let's say they lived 150 years once in 150 years. I think we can all agree that that would be miraculous and very spectacular. But see, the way it's taught, especially here in the United States and the average church, people, and they don't do this purposefully, they're not trying to mislead people, they just don't understand. People teach that and, and, and people begin to un- expect that God's going to be talking to them like every day. And there are some of you right now, you, have, you tend to think, Let's say you've lived 50 years. You may really believe God's spoken to you like 15 times in your life. And I can tell you he did not. He did not. He did not. Again, people take something that happened once in someone's life, maybe twice in their entire life. It's a spectacular situation that was going on. It was a miraculous thing that was happening. And people try to make it make God very common. Now, we have examples of these men and women 
who were men and women of valor. God only talked to them once or twice. They only heard the voice of God once or twice, according to Jewish historians, in their entire lifetime. And yet you have people like me and you who will, every week you see them, God's telling them something else. God spoke to me and said, he did not. And that is very hard for people to hear because when you say that, you're kicking over their sacred cows. Because we have this need to feel special. And none of us are special like that. Again, people take the spectacular event and try to make it a common everyday occurrence. That is not right. That's why I heavily stressed on part one. Get away from trying to hear voices. You're going to get in trouble. What do I mean by trouble? I just mean you're going to think you hear something. You're going to make some decision. It's going to ruin your life. Or it's going to set you back four or five years in your life. Because you, quote, thought you heard something that you did not. Because it isn't the way God works. When we want to learn how God works with the everyday person, the everyday situation, we have to look at what happened more often than not. It wasn't the spectacular. It wasn't the one or two times in the person's life. It was the human conscience. That's, you got to go listen to part one if you don't know what I'm talking about. That's why I said it. The order is important. Now, let's continue to move forward in our offering here. So I said, people who ask this kind of question, they have an underlying belief, a phantom belief that God is in control of everything and of everybody. And that because he's God, he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and can't nobody stop him. They believe that, even though they can't really point to why. And the people who do say, oh, I do have an example. They're talking about something that happened once, maybe, maybe, notice I said, maybe, twice in their entire lifetime. And that was for a very special purpose for that person. But it wasn't how God dealt with the average person or the every, his everyday relationship to mankind. Okay? So let's go deeper into why. As I said, God doesn't stop people from doing bad things because it's not his nature. He doesn't stop us from doing anything we want to do, whether it's good or bad, because it's not his nature. God's nature is pure love. It's the kind of love that most of us have really never encountered. It's the kind of love where the rain falls on the just and the unjust. It's the kind of love where the sun shines on the just and the unjust. It is so pure we would not be able to um, be, be, be in God's presence in, in this earthly form. That's why the Bible says nobody has really ever really seen God. And, and you know, remember in the Old Testament when Moses told God, I, I want to see you. I, you know, they had a real good friendship. And God said, okay, okay, dude. Now I'm, I'm being funny. Okay, dude. Yeah, sure, sure. I tell you what you do, you come on up here in the morning. But see, now I'm going to have to hide you in this rock, boy. Because you can't take this. You can't take this. And I'll put my hand over you. And notice when God passed by, he didn't do anything to show him his nature. 
He simply said what his nature was. And it was basically all those words add up to pure love. And when that dude came down from that mountain, honey, he was glowing. He had never glowing. It was so bad. The glow was so strong. He had to cover up his face. And it wasn't just for a few days. Because they were scared of him. Like, oh, my God. We can only imagine what he must have looked like. We know what the movies show us, but we, we, it probably was something. Take that times 100. So God's nature is pure love. God does not, y'all, control or micromanage our decisions as human beings. You've got to understand that. He does not. So see, if God were to stop you from doing anything you wanted to do, not necessarily something bad, anything, he would be controlling you. He would be micromanaging your ability to choose. He would kind of be like the puppet master and you the puppet and it's not his nature. And when you understand that, you no longer ask these types of questions. Now let's go to some examples of God's nature. Oh, let me let me talk about this. Remember I said the reason that God doesn't stop people from doing bad things is because of two things. Actually, maybe I didn't say it's his nature, which is pure love. It's not control or micromanagement of anyone's ability to choose. But his relationship to humankind, people don't understand that. God's relationship to humankind is this. You choose. I won't choose for you. I love you so much. I'm going to let you choose how you want to live your life. If you want to go right now, downtown, wherever you live and feed the homeless, God would not stop you. You have the ability to choose to do that. But guess what? If you decided right now you wanted to go down to the Dollar General store and steal all the pork and beans and put them in your bag, God wouldn't stop you from doing that either because you have the ability to choose. That is his relationship, y'all, to humankind. Now let's go into some examples. In the Old Testament, I'm going to give you some examples from the old and new because I want us to see the, the, the continuity here. So in the Old Testament, remember, the first humans were told about doesn't mean they were the first ones, just means the first ones God told us about or that were told, I should say, was Adam and Eve. Remember those two folk? And you all already know what happened. I'm not going to go into the story, but God told Adam Well, we need to go a little bit into it. God told, this was before Eve ever came on the scene. God told him some things. He was, again, remember the first you teach and you do this. So he taught him and explained and this, that, and the third. And he told him, listen, listen, dude, you see all these trees? Brother, you can eat up any of them. But this one right here, don't touch it. Because if you do, you're going to die. And God wasn't talking about literal death. He was talking about spiritual death. We believe. All right, so then he gave this dude a girlfriend. He gave him a wife, rather, not a girlfriend. She was a wifey, right? And evidently, because the Bible does not tell us, we don't have any incident of God explaining to Eve this, so we have to assume that Adam told Eve what God had told him. It's kind of like if you were new in class. Well, somebody would take you around and say, here's the counselor's office, and here's the They would teach you what they know, right? Because you were new. So we assume that's what happened with these two people. Well, guess what? Here comes Eve. She was deceived by the serpent and she takes the fruit in her hand. Do we read where God came down and slapped the fruit out of her hand and said, girl, what are you doing? You know, you're not supposed to eat that. That didn't happen, did it? And these were that we know of, you know, at least what the Bible tells us, the first human beings. 
I mean, can't we all agree that God loved these two people? But we don't see him stopping them from deciding to do whatever it was they wanted to do. Yes, even something wrong. And then when she offered the fruit to her husband, do, did, 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 do we read how God in his long flowing gown, you know, you see, I'm talking about the phantom beliefs, you know, people just kind of see God with long hair and this long flowing, beautiful gown and he's surrounded by light. Do we see this? Do we read about this ball of light flowing towards Adam and <laughs> slapping the fruit on the ground out of his hand? Boy, what are you doing? To, you know, I told you we don't see that, do we? Why? Because God's nature from the very beginning, y'all, has never been to control or micromanage the decisions of nobody, not even these people. It's not his nature, and he's not going to change his nature for you or me, for your little kid, for nobody. Let's go to the next example. Remember Cain, who killed his brother Abel? We're still talking about the first family that we know of, the first family. We're talking about the answer to why doesn't God stop people from doing these horrible things? The answer is because it's not his nature to stop us from doing anything we choose to do. Because his nature is love, is not control nor micromanagement. And also God's relationship to humankind is that he loves us so much he allows us to choose how we're going to live. What you do, what I do is up to us. It is not God. Up to him, even if it's something bad. So now let's go to our second second example. Remember Cain killed his brother Abel, girl. Remember that? Honey, child, he killed that boy. Now, we don't know how he did it. All we know is they were out in the field, according to this example in the Bible, and he rose up against him and killed. Now, we don't know if he choked the boy to death. I'm being silly now. We don't know if he took a, a, a rake and, you know, raked him across the field, left. We don't know what he did to him. We just know he killed him. But do you notice that God never stopped Cain from doing that? He never, we never read about how here comes God again in his flowing gown and he flowed and he, he got between the brothers and stopped the argument and said, Cain, don't do it. We never, we never read about that, do we? We never read about God stopping this man from killing his brother. Why? Are we supposed to then say, because God didn't stop him, God obviously doesn't exist, and well, God must not be that concerned? Or, I mean, do we, do we come up with those kind of silly concoctions because we don't understand God's nature? No, we don't. See, God's nature is, I love you so much, I'm not going to control you. I want you to do the right thing, but if you choose to do the other thing, it's really up to you. Now, I do want to point out something. Because this also illustrates God's relationship to mankind. Do you remember what happened before Cain killed his brother? Remember God talked to him about his anger problem? Do you remember that? Remember that? Now, we do not know how much time elapsed between the time God talked to him about, you need to get control of your anger, boy. Between, and then him killing that boy. So we really don't know. You know, people need to remember in the Bible, it may say verse one, verse two. That doesn't mean, you know, because verse two came after verse one, it happened right after. No, this is just a chron- chronology of what happened. We don't know. how. It could have been 50 years. It could have been two years. It could have been 100 years. God could have talked to him 100 years ago, and then, and then he killed the boy. We don't know the time, the elapsed time that went on there. But we do know God talked to him. And God told him, now I'm going to be silly here and I'm going to paraphrase. He basically told him, now look, mm -hmm. uh, you got a problem. 
And if you don't take care of this problem, your anger is going to cause you to do something that's going to get you in trouble. But notice, even in his conversation with Cain, we never hear, we never read about God telling him, I'm going to fix it so that you can't ever act on your anger. No, if Cain wanted to act on his anger, he had a choice to. That's why God was talking to him to let him know you got a choice. If you don't master this, sin is at the door. But we don't see God stopping this man. All right, let's go to some New Testament examples of God's nature and his relationship to humankind exemplified. See, God's not in control of nobody. Not even these folks, y'all. It doesn't work that way. You're going to have to get rid of the phantom belief that God's in control of everybody. And because he's God, he can do anything. I'm going to even give you an example of that. Okay, let's go to the next example, example three. Now, remember, Jesus, when he came, he said, when you see me, you see the Father. I don't say nothing that he don't tell me to say, and I don't do nothing he don't tell me to do. When you see me, you see him. Remember that? Of course, I'm being silly and I'm paraphrasing. Remember the woman who was caught in adultery? Mm-hmm. Honey child, she was getting her sex on. Remember now, these were people in the New Testament who were under, still living under the law of Moses. So she knew it was wrong to be in adultery because one of the commandments was, you know, you shouldn't commit adultery, Okay. And then remember when God taught them very clearly um, and gave them the laws, he really talked about don't even see your mom and dad naked. I mean, he went, you know, heavy on these things. Right. But this girl was doing what she wanted to do. When Jesus rose up and all the people had left, you know, the story, Jesus simply said to her, well, where they at, girl, the folks who accused you. And she said, they're gone. And guess what he said? I don't I don't I don't condemn you either. But listen to what he told her. Listen, this is very important. Go and sin no more. That indicates she had a choice. Notice he didn't tell her. We don't read that he told her, girl, you were wrong. And because I love you so much, I don't want you to do this wrong act again. So I'm going to fix it so you can't ever commit adultery again. You see, we don't see God controlling or micromanaging this woman's choices. He just simply told her, go and sin no more. But see, whether she went and sinned no more was up to her. We don't see any instance of control here. Let's go to the next example. The man who was born blind, remember him? Remember that boy? He was born blind. And after all that went on, you know the story. Or maybe you'll read about it if you've never heard it before. He was in the temple, right? Worshiping God. Hallelujah! And I don't know if that's what he was saying. Again, I'm just being silly here. Trying to make this more palatable, okay? (laughs) That's what I'm really doing. But anyway, he was worshiping God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo, 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 right? And here comes Jesus. He rolled up on him and he said, okay. You know, he talked to him. But then notice what he told him before they parted. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Kind of reminds you what kind of God talked to Cain about his anger problem. He warned him, didn't he? He told him, listen, if you don't get control of this, it's going to master you, boy. And you're going to wind up doing something crazy. Paraphrase there. And then here we come, see Jesus tell this man, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. See, listen to what he said, because it indicates the man had a choice. He could go and start sinning and a worse thing would have come upon him. Or he could just do what he said. Just don't sin anymore. Go and sin no more. Lest, you know, and this, you know, basically he had a choice. Now, we never read anything else about the man. We don't know, child, what happened. Did he go 
and start stealing from his mom and daddy. We don't know what he did. We assume, though, he went and did what Jesus told him, but we really don't know. Now, as I wrap up our time together, this offering, again, let's just remind everybody, we're talking about why the answer to folks' question is very simple. You know, again, I think people think a question like this must require a, it, it just, the answer just has to be deep and complicated. It's not. Um, it's very simple. Truth is always very simple. The longer you live, the more you realize how simple truth is. The things that have truly helped you in your life, I mean, that have really helped you turn your life around, they were never deep and complicated theories and ideas. They were always very simple. Probably so simple to the point where you ask yourself, why didn't I see that before now? Why didn't I realize that before now? Because it was just that simple. See, we look for the complicated and we miss the truth. So why? Why doesn't God stop people from doing bad things? Why didn't he stop the boy from shooting up those children? Why? Because it's not his nature. God's not stopping anybody from doing anything that they choose to do. Yes, even something that horrible. Just like if you wanted to go and give away all your possessions to the poor. God wouldn't stop you. You have a choice how you want to live your life. You can choose to be a great person who serves your community, or you can choose to be a criminal and be in jail every other month. It's up to you. It's up to me. And this is what people really need to understand. Now, remember I said that people have a phantom belief, a subconscious belief that God is in control of everything, everywhere. And so, my God, goodness, I mean, surely he could do this if he wanted to. If he really loved, you know, people even ask that question. If God really loved me, he wouldn't have let this happen to me. See, they totally don't recognize you made some choice somewhere down the line. Okay, now. I'm going to give you an example from this, from the Bible about how that illustrates God is not in control. And I know, see, that sounds sacrilegious. That sounds so offensive because we've been taught to believe he's in control. He's not. You're in control. I'm in control of how we live our lives. Go back and listen to part one, the offering, because we talk about when God relinquished control, when he gave it over to us, we talked about that. Well, here's an example of how, of this, God's not in control. Um, Remember in the book of Mark, right? Jesus had been going around from town to town, healing people, delivering them, setting them free. Girl, he had been doing all these fabulous things, girl, okay? But he came to a town, actually several, but we're only told about one of them in the book of Mark. And it says he only healed a few sick folk. Whereas other places he healed them all. But there he only healed a few sick people. Well, later we read it was because of those people's unbelief. So if God was in control of everybody and he could just do whatever he wanted to do, regardless of what you wanted to do or not, regardless of what you thought about it or not. See, God's just he's micromanaging. He's controlling. He's going to unconsciously make you do this and unconsciously make he's just a puppet master. Why didn't he just heal all those people, regardless of whether their faith was there or not, whether they believed him to do it or not? Why didn't he just bogart them and say, I'm God and I love you so much. I want you to be healed. So ta-da, forget what you want to do. Ta-da, here it is. It doesn't work that way, folks. I'm being silly. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. God is not in control of everybody, everywhere. God doesn't control events. I could sit here and give you many examples. I'm just giving you that one. 
because we don't have all the time in the world to go through examples. And like I said, think about the holy book. Those of you who are of a different faith that illustrate these principles. It may be different places, times, events, peoples, etc. But the principle more than likely is the same. Now, we know some religions do teach that God is controlling. He's controlling you and he'll punish you if you don't do this and he'll punish you if you don't do that. Again, if he were punishing you because you didn't do something, that indicates he was controlling you. You went against his wishes somehow. That's not God's nature. And as I end, I want to illustrate. God loves all of us, no matter what we believe or don't believe, no matter where we were born, no matter the family we were born into, no matter whether we acknowledge him or not, he loves us. And because he truly loves us, I mean, I'm talking about the real kind of love, not this crap we do on the earth where our love has conditions. Where if you don't do what I want you to do the way I want you to do it, I'm out. No, God's not like that. God loves us so much, he simply will not control us. And he won't micromanage our decision making. He leaves it up to us. I gave an example in the first offering, part one, about the children of Israel. God chose a people out of a people. He created them out of that. He, he wanted to be their God. So he taught them, and he, we see him feeding them miraculous bread from heaven, meat, quails coming in, all these things. But he didn't even try to control those people. He told them, I set before you life and death. You choose. So when people have this phantom belief that produces the question of why does God allow and why didn't he do and why didn't he force this and why didn't he stop that? It's because they tend, they've been taught or they simply believe, you know, for some reason that God is, is this kind of person that he's and he's not. And and people need to get down to why they they ask certain questions, because when people ask questions, it's because they believe certain something and because they believe something and it didn't happen the way they believed it. It produces a question. See, I believe God's in control and that because he's God, he can just do whatever because he's that kind of person. So then why didn't he stop this bad person? You see. But again, in that story, if Jesus who said, if you see me, you see God. He went to that town and he could only heal a few people because, well, they just didn't think he could. He couldn't. He didn't force himself on them. He didn't control the situation. He didn't manipulate it. He just simply dusted dust off the, the dust from his feet and went on to the next town, child, where they were like, come on and heal all of us over here. We're ready for it. And that is what I wanted to share. Why does God allow these things? Why, why, why doesn't he stop? people from doing these horrible things because it's just not his nature. And as I share you with, you know, to you with these examples from the Old and New Testament, it's not his nature. I think if God was going to stop anybody from doing anything, he would have stopped Eve and Adam from eating the fruit, but he didn't stop them either. I think he would have stopped Cain from killing his brother. He didn't stop that either. I think the woman who was caught in adultery, I think he would have, you know, kind of fixed it so she couldn't commit adultery again. The man who was born blind, well, Surely God didn't want somebody to be blind again. He would have fixed it so he couldn't have done anything to mess up that blessing. But that's just not God's nature. We don't see God relating to human beings that way. And he's not going to relate to us that way now. The power to choose 
is the most powerful thing we have on the earth. And people don't understand just how important of a thing God has given humankind. The power to choose. We can choose to tear up this planet or we can choose to treat it well. We can choose to love ourselves and take care of our health or we can choose to eat bonbons and ice cream every night and go into a diabetic coma. It's all up to us. God's not going to stop us. We can choose to do drugs every weekend. God's not going to knock the marijuana out of our hand. He's not going to you know, hide the pill bottle. He's not going to hide the crack cocaine. No, if I want to crack out all night, it's my choice because God's given me the power to choose how I'm going to live on this earth. If I want to be a saint and I want to babysit for all my neighbors, if I want to pay everybody's rent, if I want to give money to the poor, God's not going to stop me from doing that either. It's not his nature. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's offering. Hope you have a good one. I'll talk to you later.